0: The wind is consistently coming from one direction. that tree will grow, but it will be pushed in a certain direction and you'll often see it on the edge of a hillside or on a ridge trees that seem to be all you know 10 15 years old, but slanted so as the cre- as the tree grows, it starts to get another growth ring and another growth ring and these are, think of these as beliefs these beliefs become more reinforced so when you stay in a certain way of lifestyle and you' hit certain things, it becomes deeper and deeper to the point where That tree now, 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 years later, is still at the same angle. The bark is thicker. Its roots are deeper. That tree represents the beliefs that are now very, very difficult to change. Hello, this is Dr. Rowe and you're listening to the Growth Tribes podcast with Dr. Rowe and Harms. This is the podcast where two completely different generations tackle the most challenging topics that people are facing today. Above all else, the main reason that we chose to develop and record these podcasts is because we both have a passion for helping people go through life transformation, for improving their lives, for taking their lives to a completely different level. And it's our hope, our genuine, sincere hope that by the end of each of these episodes, you'll have gained at least one insight that you can take away and apply directly into your own life. Practical tools, voices that come in from both generations, the younger generation with tips and tools, and the older generation with a sense of wisdom and experience, so that you can help unlock your true potential, to give the opportunity to make changes both on a personal, professional, financial, and relationship level, and to give you a chance to impact both your lives and the lives of other people around you. So we welcome you. Welcome to the Growth Tribes
1: podcast. Hello, it's Harms here and welcome to another episode of the Growth Tribes podcast. Now this is a part two and let me expand on that. To paint you the picture, we are going through COVID, we're coming out of COVID and that is what prompted this discussion and if you listen to part one, this will make sense. But like I said, let me expand on that. So the reality is whether it's COVID, whether there's a life event happening to you, I've pulled a couple of phrases in which Ro described this scenario from the last episode, which is change is happening all the time. That's the reality, we know that. However, some change is more significant than others. Just take the literal scenario that we're going through right now. COVID is a more significant change. We're talking about job losses, financial change, relationship change. And another way to describe this is, as well as it being more significant, that means it has more impact on us. And there's two different ways to describe change. And what Dr. Rose described and Rowe described to us in the last episode is, if we approach change with a specific process, that means we can learn to develop a rapid way to deal with it. Rather than let change completely dictate our lives, we can handle it and manage it so like I said with COVID there has been many changes for people personal remember this is impact on people as well impact on people's personal situations family situations financial situations emotional situations and the list does go on and and you know our heart here at Growth Tribes and the Growth Tribes podcast from myself and Ro go out to all the families affected in whether it was a small way or a large way again the impact and And the significance of that impact is completely different to different people. So what we want to do and what we started to do in part one is give you a process, a tool, a step-by-step process in which you can implement in your own life so that you can take on and deal with this change. Another way to phrase that is tackle this change in a systematic way, but rather than be physically resilient and yeah, I can handle it but also handle it on an emotional level, a emotionally developed level and approach it from that attitude, which is a really refreshing place to come from. And that systematic way to tackle change is Dr. O's six-step process to managing change. And actually, after listening to part one and, and going through part one myself, is actually embracing that change as well and being able to take it in your stride not allowing that change to completely put you in a place where that change becomes a story for the rest of your life like we don't want covid to become that story that you refer to for the rest of your life 20 30 years down the line and that we we just we dived into that in episode 1 now on the last episode we discussed these first 3 steps of the 6 step change process Now, like I said, this is part two, and we're going to plug that gap on the final three steps with the help of Ro. So Ro, hi, welcome. And the first question I guess is to you is, do you recommend people listen to part one first, or can they just jump in here? And the second question of that is, are you ready to jump into step number four?
0: Hi everybody, hi Harms, that's a great question and welcome back to part two of the six step process. I'm very excited about this because right in front of me I have open copy of The Turning Point which I thought would be appropriate to have here to help you and do some extracts from it. I think your question's valid, Harminder. The book and the process was developed in harmony in such a way that once you understand the six step process you don't have to follow the sequence. So I think you've asked a great question and I've watched and witnessed both you and your wife at times since you first experienced this, and Haminda went through this years ago now, I've seen you almost jump into it sporadically and occasionally to just revisit it for certain
1: circumstances that come up in your own life. Uh, would that be fair to say? Yeah, absolutely, will, And that's why I sort of approached you with this topic from the get-go, and now we're amazingly in part two. Brilliant. So the, the
0: fact is that as we go through changes in our lives, we may need to let me let me recap to part one at the same time we may need to revisit our language the internal language the external language the communication that's going on all the time all the time even when you go into your sleep the conversation shifts into kind of a dream state but it's still a reflection of the conversations and the communications that have happened throughout the day and there's some amazing studies to show that actually what we do during the Course of the day moves from our short-term memory to our long-term memory through that period between about sort of twelve thirty one o'clock in the morning till about three in the morning, and these various stages of sleep. So, although you might think that this communication that happens is only happening at certain times, it's happening all the time So the more you can start to work on this, the better. And step one is the communication. Step two then starts to look at your values, your, la- your internal values and how you language those values and how you use those values on a day to day basis. So do you value health? Do you value relationships? Do you value connection? Do you value success, integrity, excitement, adventure? How you show up in life is reflected on those core values. And again, it can be revisited at any time. And you could just interrogate those values to ask yourself, am I living by the original values I set myself? If you're listening to this first time you've ever done this, chances are you've never set any values for yourself. You've just evolved them over time as a result of the world that you've grown up in. So step two is looking at those values. And step three, as you remember from part one of this recording, is looking at the conditions, the rules around which we place On these values. In other words, if I make if I strangle the value for health, I strangle the value for for relationships or love, connection, or success, and meaning if I make it too difficult to experience that value, I'm only successful if I make a million pounds this year, if everybody I sell to buys from me, if everybody praises me and I get lots of recognition, only then will I become successful. Wow, that's really tricky. So what we talked about, and you might remember Harminder and I having a laugh about this, is relax the rules, make it easier to experience that part of your life. And you you may recall as well that Harminder gave us an example of how how he's done it personally for himself, even during the COVID period. So these three steps are essential if you're going through it for the first time. That's what I I guess I want to answer your question with Harms. But having gone through these, as we and i continue to do myself is you can go and revisit them all in one go if you want to or you can jump in at any stage but definitely go listen to part one first before we go through this part two because i don't i personally feel it'll help consolidate the the process it's a bit of a long answer to your question but i just want to make sure everyone understands where i'm coming from
1: that's great well thanks for that and you've recapped Fantastically for those people who have listened to part one, which is great. And I think if this is the first time you you have approaching any kind of system or process like this in order to deal with change, then I would agree. Go check out part one first and then look back to part two, because then that journey will make sense on when we get to step four, five, and six later in the show. So before we dive into that road, I want to share with the listeners something super exciting because... You would have had the same thing. I've had the same thing. We've had amazing people who listen to the podcast and message us and ask us the question how can we help? How can we support? So I'm super excited to announce that we have what's known as the Growth Tribes Supporter Program or come and become a supporter of the Growth Tribes podcast. Now, this is brand new and it's a very short announcement which allows listeners to the Growth Tribes podcast to contribute by literally supporting the podcast from as little as one pound a month. Now the question is why become a Growth Tribe supporter? Well we wanted to make it a no-brainer for people listening. So number one is the obvious. It genuinely really helps and enables myself and Ro to continue to create this podcast which has a production time, has a team evolved, has an editing process, has a Has all of these little things that we pay for in the background, which listeners typically won't see. And this is, you know, applicable for any amazing podcast you listen to. So I implore you to go and support those people also. Now, number two, it allows us to attract hand-selected guests. Now, if you're listeners of the podcast, you'll know that me and Ro talk about these deep topics, and we're really specific about getting certain guests on we don't just reach out to anybody they are hand selected and often Rose had a relationship with these amazing people for decades and it's a request it's a come join us and share your amazing story and your learnings with our listeners so that's number two number three is what you will love and this is what I'm really excited about is you will get access to a whole bunch of perks for being a supporter so think of them as Perks you will get for becoming a Growth Tribes supporter. And these include things like early invitation to live events. Of course, when those are returning, when we are allowed to run those, you'll get early invitation to those. You'll be the first people to know. Number two is a special weekly inspiring email from Dr. Ro himself, which is Dr. Rose's recipes for success. Now, these are insightful. They're inspiring. They are. They'll give you ideas on health. How to chat to your kids, what to do with money management, and they're just some really quick tips that can keep you aligned and on a successful path. And the big one, the final one, which is a big one, which is you will get access to a vault full of powerful educational material, anything from communication, relationships, dealing with values, career transition, money tools, money management systems. There's a whole bunch of stuff there. And What do you need to do to become a Growth Tribe supporter, support this podcast and get access to these perks? Very simple. You just go to growthtribes.com, follow the button there and you can go ahead and become a supporter. How much does it cost to become a supporter of the podcast? It starts from as little as one pound a month and that would help us out massively. So you know what to do to become a supporter and get all of these perks which I've mentioned Just simply go to growthtribes.com and that's it. Now, can I jump in quickly and just add on to that?
0: Yes, I'm really excited about this and I I just want to take, you know, applaud you for doing this because I know a lot of people have been reaching out and asking that question. So you've taken the initiative on this. I just want to thank you for doing it. And for me, it's an opportunity to bring to the table a lot of tools that we've just had locked away. You know, we've had a lot of audios and I've got. Guided visualizations that take people through incredible journeys to boost their confidence, to boost their uh, ability to attract more money into their lives, and all this stuff that in the past has been a bit more exclusive to certain people that I've worked with. And you know, at the age I'm at right now, harmed. I just want to get this content out to people in a different way. So it's a little bit like unlocking the vault. There's so much great material there that's been building up and now we can give people a chance who have been supporting us and uh, want to support us to actually have access to it so thank you for helping me do that
1: absolute pleasure so on that note now back to the podcast and we can dive into step four five and six of the six step process to change so ro over to you to to introduce step four
0: Okay, so I'm going to give step four the same title as in the Turning Point book, and that is Believe It or Not, It's True. Believe it or not, it's true. And what that's referring to is that every single one of us have a set of beliefs. And you may recall from part one, we talked about when you're communicating, you're either asking questions or you're making statements. And when you make a statement, anything that you say is a reflection of what you believe. So if I say to you, it's a sunny day, I believe it's a sunny day. If I say Haminda's got a fantastic beard, it means I believe that Haminda has a fantastic (laughs) beard. And so when people first work with me or if I go and do an in- intervention or if I bring somebody onto stage at a live event, whatever it is. I mean, Recently, you, you witnessed a coaching session I did with a young gentleman, Harms. Well, not so young, actually. He's probably a little bit younger than me, but he's certainly younger than a 90-year-old. I let him talk, I think. It was for about nearly 10 minutes. And in the process of speaking, he gave so many clues in the way he explained his world to to me. So when you're talking to somebody, or when you're talking to yourself, if you're listening to this and you say, Oh Doctor, I've been going through a tough time recently. And if I started digging in and asking you questions, the more you tell me, the more it also tells me what your beliefs are about your world. And certain beliefs are articulated in a way that are stronger than others. And the minute you start to appreciate that your whole world is made up of questions and statements, and those statements are a reflection of your beliefs, now you can start to decide how you want the world to be perceived by you, but also how you want the world to perceive you. Meaning, what if you redefined your beliefs? What if you changed that model that's inside you and said, well, okay, if what I'm saying outwardly and inwardly is based on my beliefs, what if I could change those beliefs? What would that do to my perception of the world? And the the answer is, radically change it. So we've got to start there. Now, when it comes to beliefs, there are limiting beliefs and there are beliefs that will empower you. I'll say that again slowly if you're first time to this. There are limiting beliefs and there are limiting and there are beliefs that will empower you. Now, a limiting belief is something that will hold you back. So, for example, oh, I can't do that. I've never been very bright. I just recently, by the way, and I was telling Harminder about this just just literally yesterday. I think it was over a coffee. We were sitting down and just relaxing and catching up and doing a socially distanced chat. And I said to him, I've just met a 23 year old young man whose self-esteem was really low based on some experiences that he had when he was four years of age to do with his father and his mother. And it consistently continued throughout his growing up period. And his father then went on to be abusive in certain areas, self-abusive with drugs, etc. And this had had a knock on effect. His beliefs about the world were molded right back to that early age. And it meant that he didn't have the confidence to do certain things. He was looking for reassurance in everybody. His belief was, I, I can really only do this once I get confirmation from somebody else. I'm doing the right thing. Or I, I won't know if I've done this correctly until someone else tells me I've done it correctly. That is a limiting belief. It's limiting to him to believe that his whole world is based on other people's perception of him and whether they approve him. Am I making sense with this, Harms? I just want to step up.
1: slow. Let me just step back for a minute because I'm speaking quickly. No, that that makes total sense, Ro. And you mentioned turning point as you introduced this. Now, one of the questions I have is, and and I've got this book on my bookshelf as well, is can you read some extracts as we go into step four, five, and six, where you think relevant, read some extracts from turning point? Because I know turning point in the book evolved into the event, which was a live event, which you did three days, working people through this. And this six step change process was one component of the turning point event. And I know from witnessing people there and having attended it myself, beliefs, how they shape our decisions, how they shape what we say, what we talk about, what we think. Yeah. That's the first question. Would you be open to reading a few yeah, things?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as you are saying, actually, you can probably hear the pages. I'm just having a look down. I'll, so this is going to be, it'll be a little bit random in the sense that I know what I want to sort of talk about in this section, but I will, if, if from what you're saying, actually, I'll, I'll see if I can extract a few quotes from it or just read a few elements of it. So let me go back then to that's a good point actually because the other type of belief is an empowering belief so had he changed his beliefs and said you know what my past does not equal my future so i don't need to seek approval just think about that for a minute imagine now 23 years of age he changes his belief system from I can really only do this when I, I can only move forward and believe in myself. If other people stroke me on the back, applaud me, give me recognition, confirm that I've done the right thing, as opposed to my past, i.e. what his father went through, the abuse he received from his father, his mum, et cetera, does not equal the future. I don't need recognition in order for me to be successful. I can control my future. I can make the decisions. I can look at myself in the eye and say, I've done a great job. The feeling you get as a human being when you change that belief means that he's now empowered. He can take full responsibility. So an empowering belief is very different to a destructive, limiting belief. And actually, I'll just read you a quick thing here from page 111. Now you've asked me to do it. It's a great, great point, actually. It says, can a belief spread like wildfire? Top of page 111. The answer to this question is dependent on three factors. And by all means, jump in if you want to ask a question or add to this, Harms, if you've got a personal experience of it. So I'll read these out. So this is all literally for everyone that's listening. Just be aware that when Harminder and I do a, a podcast outside of a basic idea of what we want to talk about and a few key points, we just go completely at this in a natural way because we want this to be authentic go as deep as possible. I'll ask questions of Harminder. He'll do the same thing here. So I'll read these three things that I believe cause beliefs to spread, negative beliefs to spread very quickly. Number one, how strong the belief is in the person spreading it. Now you could be the person spreading it, meaning this young man was talking to me and telling me, yeah, I've got a low self-esteem and I need to hear from other people that I've done a good job. That's how I know, know I'm good at what I do he believes that he's spreading that but what if and this has come from he was at school he got Bs and Cs in his exams and he was told by several members of the family and people around him he was dumb because he didn't do very good in his oral so communicating orally in english for example he didn't do very well and because he didn't get such a good grade there people started to call him dumb slow etc and yet i thought he was a bright bloke so if you hear it from other people, that reinforces the internal belief you've got. That's number one. Number two is how believable it is to other people. So if you act the way that you say you believe yourself to be and you consistently reinforce that, of course, it becomes more believable to other people. Then it's going to spread more because then they treat you the same way as you're saying about yourself. Now, when I heard it in him, as Harminda knows, my immediate reaction was, but that's not true. And he was struggling with that because he's used to people reinforcing what he's saying because that's the environment he was growing up in, whereas he's suddenly getting me challenging him saying, but you did this, you did this, you did this. And it's confusing him because I'm now challenging the beliefs that somebody else has put upon him. And the last thing here, and then I'll take a pause for Harms to comment, is this, how insecure the people receiving it are in their own personal beliefs. Think about this for a minute. If you say something, that is maybe showing you to be weak and you happen to be talking to somebody else that themselves have a set of negative beliefs about themselves or they have got a big ego but they don't feel very confident about something rather than them expose themselves they will reflect that belief back on you and say yeah you know what you're right you need to do this and you need to do that and that means that their insecurity is simply propped up by them reflecting a negative back belief back on you and making you look even worse and reinforcing your negative beliefs. Now, I'm going to pause for a minute because I'm just reading now from the book. How's that sound, Harms? I mean, is this, have you seen this, witnessed it, experienced it or seen it in other people?
1: I think I, I, I think this plays out in everybody around us. Whether they come into an event which we're hosting, or just in genuine genuine everyday life, like you're talking about this gentleman. This can happen, you know, over a conversation with somebody over a coffee counter. This can happen with your family. This can happen culturally. This can happen depending on what age somebody is. So actually, this is opening up into a slightly different question, but around the same topic of believe it or not, it's true, right. which is you know what i what i typically notice in my asian culture is and i'm and i was conscious of this when i was 20 25 getting close to 30 is a couple of things were happening one was as i was getting older some of my beliefs were getting stronger and firmer and another way for me to describe this is i was becoming more closed minded to any other belief or or even listening or opening my eyes to any other belief whether it's limiting, whether it's empowering. And were you having, aware
0: of that at the time, or is this now Harminder emotionally developed, growing 10 years later, looking back, thinking, oh shit, I hadn't even
1: spotted that. This is looking back. Now right. this is this is looking back because now I'm in a position where I'll discuss this in a moment where it's questioning those beliefs. Because what I'm finding is people whether it's an Asian culture, I'm I'm discussing the Asian culture because that is what's close to me and I'm familiar with that. But this will play out, you know, if you're listening to this, you may say, actually, that plays out in my culture, that plays out in um, my family, which is one thing that's happening is when people are getting older and older and older in age, um, not necessarily emotional maturity, but certainly age, age, and you add things like cultural influences to this, you have scenarios Where, for example, let's take a a random scenario, which we've discussed in past podcasts, which is some what a belief could be somebody should get married before they move in with each other. Now, Mm. this is a big, strong, and and I say this because it's been in recent conversations, somebody should get married before they move in with each other. Now, this is a strong belief that my culture would hold. And it gets stronger and stronger and stronger as somebody gets older and older and older within that specific culture. Now, I'm sure this plays out in other cultures as well, but the challenge comes is, I think one of the questions I have for you, Ro, is what drives a belief to become so Mm. strong and deep rooted in scenarios like this? Like We can take that example, but it plays out in any kind of situation, but somebody getting married... Uh, there's no way you can move in together before you get married. Like those kind of things are typical in our culture as an example. That's a great question. Yeah, that, that question's one, but another one is what stops people from where I spoke about this open-mindedness and we can approach these one stage at a time, this open-mindedness where people at some point don't question their own belief system, which is just as problematic here because step four is, you know, you're saying, believe it or not, it's true whether somebody's got a limiting belief or empowering belief sort of becomes irrelevant if they don't even understand about step four and even question it.
0: Mm. So the question you're asking actually is so deep that we probably I'll, I'll touch on the answer, but it's something that I think people need to explore further. Think of it as a, you talk, use the word roots. I think it's a great example. So think of a tree when it's starting off, it's young, it's fresh, it's coming out the ground. It's a lot more pliable. So that's a bit like mm. a belief. So I'm just, as you were talking, I had this Im- image in my mind, especially when you said roots. So this tree is growing out the ground. And as we know, a, you know, young um, tree that comes out, It's so pliable. The wind can blow it. It can change in different directions. And and actually, if you saw a tree that was on a hill, and we've seen this before, if anyone's driven along and seen a tree that's on a slant, you'll know that if the wind is consistently coming from one direction, that tree will grow, but it will be pushed in a certain direction. And you'll often see it on the edge of a hillside or on a ridge trees that seem to be all, you know, 10, 15 years old, but slanted. So as the as the tree grows, it starts to get another growth ring and another growth ring. And these are, think of these as beliefs. These beliefs become more reinforced. So when you stay in a certain way of lifestyle and you're certain things, it becomes uh, deeper and deeper to the point where that tree now, 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 years later, is still at the same angle. The bark is thicker. Its roots are deeper. And, ooh, and as I'm describing it, I'm sure you can think of a tree that everybody's aware of right now yourself. That tree represents the beliefs that are now very very difficult to change you'd have to literally pull the tree back probably loosen some of the roots and straighten them up and then reset those roots but now you've got a tree that's slightly at an angle and now the sun and everything else got to get to it and it'll slowly straighten itself up but that could take a few more years as well that's what a belief is a belief becomes hardened and shaped and firm down over time the more we consistently hear it and reinforce it in the same way the wind does not stop blowing on that tree on the ridge. I'm going to pause for a minute. How's that sound? Is that, is that making sense so far?
1: That does make sense. And if you think of it, if you're listening to this, you know, when that tree is younger, originally planted or starting to grow, actually, we can just, you can just dig that tree out. You can move its location. You can change things about it. And that is almost what we have an experience when we're younger people, you know, when we're, we're below 10, below 20. And then as we get older and older, the the roots start to sink deeper and deeper until you get to a point where this is now going, uh, linking nicely to the fact that somebody can't, genuinely cannot change their belief system because it's so deep rooted. There's so many rings and it's just, this tree is now immovable. And this is when you come across people when, let's talk about the limiting beliefs, where the limiting belief is so powerful and strong that. You just physically can't change this person's thinking around a specific topic or idea or concept or behavioral pattern. Is that fair to say?
0: Yeah. And it goes back to your question is, you know, what stops them questioning the belief? Exactly what you just said there. That's who I am. That's ha- that's how it is, surely. I'm a tree. I'm an oak tree at an angle. I thought that's all I was. No, you're an oak tree that's been blown at an angle. Would you like to be a different angle? Would you like to straighten up? Yeah, I used to think about that when I was younger when I saw those trees down the valley that were straight and and all the the animals were jumping around on them. And I'm thinking I'm here on the hill, uh, blown sideways. I thought it would be nice, but now, you know, this is who I am, Dr. Rowe. So you're spot on. And funnily enough, Harms, I've just found an example, page 114, Jane's story. I won't read the whole thing out, but this is about a 63-year-old lady who came up to me who'd had challenges with relationships all of her adult life and going back to a young experience that she had she's 63 and she had not had a deep relationship with a man a long-standing relationship for literally decades and I mean without going into detail it goes back to something that happened to her when she was aged seven to do with uh, you know a traumatic experience without reading it out to the viewers so after some interventional work etc literally and when i say interventional work you know this because you've experienced it and, and you helped other people do the same thing is uprooting those roots and then going back and resetting it so that at 63 we did that process and i talk about it here you know some years later i was at a charity event and she came up and she was engaged it's amazing so wow don't think as you're listening to this oh yes the tree analogy its so true i do get what they're talking about so now it's okay i understand nothing i can't change no that's not true you can change so we
1: the can't. question then row is how does <laughs> one change because in step four the first thing is and i'm gauging this the first thing is just be aware of your beliefs so yeah. that's a whole process for sure exactly. and i know you've taken people through that journey i almost asked a side question which is you know what drives these beliefs to be so deep rooted? Is it age related, cultural related, and of course they're all. Involved. Can I answer that
0: really quickly? Have we got time to yeah. do that? Yeah, just just so briefly. Again, I mean, please take the time if you want to go read this; it's there in in the chapter. Those of you that are supporters of the Growth Tribes podcast, again, thank you for that. There, there is a video series that I created a few years back, which actually takes people back through looking at their beliefs and what the limiting beliefs are and how to start to destroy them. And I actually work with somebody called Freddie Fear. And you'll, if you watch it, you'll know who I'm talking about. It's really interesting. And that is um, that is a an opportunity to see how I would do it live if I was doing it with somebody else. If you want to know, the answer to Harminder's question. So I'm going to read this out to you. This very quickly. There's four stages or four levels of belief, and this came out in a live coaching session we did recently, actually. So the first level, and this is where you're a young spruce tree coming out the ground. That's someone else's viewpoint. So Harminder grows up, he hears something from his dad or his mom, particularly coming from a specific culture, and you kind of believe it because it's somebody else's view. You that's all you know. You might be four, five, six years of age. It's like my children when they were very young, even my youngest is, she's six now, she's already formed a set of beliefs. And a lot of those have come from what she has learned from us, because at this moment, she's not conscious enough to necessarily form really deep-rooted beliefs herself. So she can be influenced quite quickly. We're all the same. So it's someone else's view. Even when we're adults, we get it. Social media, I mean, you know this, harm that social media, even today, can sway somebody else's belief by just simply seeing another person's view. I think that's fair to say with social
1: media, isn't it, at the moment, where we're at. It's a a big, big influencer. So social media has become a part of a culture. Now, what I I like the fact that you brought the uproar, which is if you think about social media as this abstract item, which, you know, is fairly new in society. So if you think about some of our beliefs, somebody of your generation's belief, they would have been shaped by what happened in the war, what kind of cultural influences were in the 70s, 80s. Then there was the 90s and music was a big influence in the 90s. Then you've, in the in the 2000s, now technology is taking over. Now, if we think about social media, it's really just been a last 10 to 15-year thing. Mm. So what we won't see is how that will shape our kids' beliefs who are being directed and their beliefs are being shaped. What would have been most part by parents is now being shaped by parents' movies, music but now this other big thing which is social media now what's interesting about social media it's it's not social media it's other people's beliefs being projected through this channel media channel called social media purposefully purposefully whether it's advertisers brands but also other people yeah so now children are being exposed is one way to describe it but also another way to describe it is they're just simply seeing all of these different belief systems. Now, I think so, one, yeah. one could argue that's a good thing, one could argue that's a bad thing, but I think at this stage it's really just being aware that social media has added another dynamic, which I don't think we're gonna see the, the results of for another couple of decades, to be honest, on how it shapes Our kids' belief systems. This
0: is a great point. And if you think Mm. about it as the tree, you're blown left, right, and center. When I grew up, you'll believe... So so if it was based on this first level, which is other people's point of view, often it would be, oh, have you read the newspaper? So, And of course, newspaper, oh, we all read it when I get home. Or have you seen the news? And the news would be at certain times. It'd be on the hour or the six o'clock news was very famous or the nine o'clock news. We would wait to see that. It would be like switch the TV on, watch the news at that time, process it, there was, and there's only so much information they could present to us in that window. So we would be forming our beliefs and our understanding based on that. We might read a newspaper and read the news and watch the news and listen to the radio. That was it. And a magazine, but that magazine was a monthly magazine. So now I'm reading an article the following month on something that came out last week or last month. Now it's bloody instant. I mean, now there is so much of it and there's so many different opinions uh, and this is a brilliant subject, actually, in its own right, Harms. What is it doing to people's first level of belief building? It's throwing mm. it all over. The, I mean, look at COVID. I had a conversation yesterday with a builder on our house, and he's been watching a series of conspiratorial videos linked with, you know, the big banking families, the Rothschilds, and then linking it to Warren Buffett. And You and I joked about it when we were having our coffee yesterday, but But then the next conspiratorial video will be totally different. It'll be something to do with a different culture, maybe to do with Black Lives Matter or Asian Lives Matter or whatever. Everybody is being influenced in so many different ways and they're not able to pause and ask themselves a genuine question. What do I believe? What do I believe as opposed to what beliefs are being put upon me? I'm getting passionate about this because I do think that it's creating anxiety in our culture because people aren't quite sure
1: what to believe. That was a question. So that was the thing that jumped out to me when you started to describe all of that, Where, which is one of the other challenges is, is that somebody doesn't believe in something or a group of things because they ask themselves the question, which is, ah, what do I even believe in? There's just so yeah. much like, what do I, what is the truth? What do I believe in? What is true to me and in alignment with my values, which we spoke about in, in a previous step yes. uh, on the last episode. Exactly. And in addition to that, if we link it back to limiting beliefs, which cause adults absolute chaos, and I know we've, we've seen this, but it causes them absolute chaos and distress in their lives 10, 20, 30, 40 years down the line, is what will our kids' limiting beliefs be if they're experiencing some kind of issue or challenge or relationship challenge via this channel called social media? It could be they put a post up, Nobody likes it. Does that now create a limiting belief where nobody likes me when I look like this, when I post like this? And if you compare that limiting belief to an empowering belief that they believe is an empowering belief, I I have to look like this other person to get people to follow me, to get people to like me. So what are these conflicting beliefs being created at a young age, and I, and this is even happening on an adult age. I know I'm referencing to the to children because that's what shapes the next generation. But uh, people in their twenties, thirties, forties are I, getting shaped by. I this agree. Same thing. I think
0: it's all the way through now. The older generation maybe less so because they haven't got such access
1: to it. But because they're uh, hard rooted trees, right? So yeah, yeah, right.
0: And, <laughs> and you and you you've actually covered in that in that description, and we've kind of bridged into it. The other next two levels, which is beyond. And again, if you want to go read it, you can go read this in the book. But the the next one is the point of view. So beyond someone else's point of view, now it's your point of view. So that's another, this is the next level of belief that gets formed. So you you said about the stages, the roots get deeper. Now something becomes your own point of view. You've You've got a view on something. You've heard it. You've maybe witnessed it and experienced it in other people. And now it becomes a point of view for you. It's like a belief. Yeah, yeah, this is how the world is. Before it was like, this is how Uncle John told me the world. is. This is how my auntie Sarah told me the world, or my mum told me. Now it's, yeah, this is how the world is. It's your point of view. It's not a personal belief that's deeper yet. It's almost there, but it's that, that next level where you could still be swayed from your point of view. When it's somebody else's belief, you can be swayed a bit more. But now it's your own point of view. You defend it a little bit more because, hey, I, I kind of believe this now. So that's the second, that's where the roots have gone a little bit deeper. And that's, you know, in age, that might be so when you're getting into 9, 10, 11, when your consciousness is growing. And then you go to the next level, which is a personal belief. The first one was a point of view. Remember, so we've got someone else's point of view. Then there's your point of view. But now you're older now. Maybe this, you've held onto this belief for four or five years and now you believe it. This is a personal belief. I believe this. I believe this about people with beards. I believe this about Indian food. I believe this about vegetarian food. I believe this about exercise or I believe this about this politician or I believe this about the world. So now you believe it. You've had that, you've witnessed it, you've reinforced it. You've probably even convinced yourself of it more because you've looked at other people and we're not, at, you you can have that belief changed and that if you were doing coaching or you had an intervention or you're doing a personal development program, there's enough strength there in an audio, a video, working with somebody to change that. That that belief is still changeable, but boy, you would argue and you'd defend it at this stage because now it's part of who you are, your identity. I'll pause for a minute. Do those Because the next one is the big one.
1: Do those three levels make sense so far, Harms? They do make sense. And what is... What I find really scary, and again, this is my own personal belief, is my uh, people in my generation who are, you know, late teens, 18, 19, 20, early 20s, mid 20s, and they have these incredibly rigid, strong beliefs in something uh, or multiple item of things. But the fact that it's so extreme, sometimes is scary because I find it, really difficult to understand how somebody can have that level of strength in a belief and this could be limiting this could be empowering but just the extreme the extreme nature of that belief and how that you know if they could see outside of themselves how that really limits their exploration of their 20s which is such an an amazing decade to explore they go through that entire decade believing this one thing so rigidly now I want to fire a question back at you which is with and I've seen this with yourself as well which is when comes that age comes this level of wisdom if you're approaching it the right way of course what's some advice that you can give to somebody who is in their early 20s and and for the listeners at home Roe does not get prepped on these questions I just fire them at you I'm waiting to Uh, hear what it is (laughs) what what advice do you have to somebody in their twenties who has these extremely rigid beliefs. And you know, that with wisdom, having that level of extreme belief in something is sometimes detrimental. So I guess how do they open up and explore different belief systems in their twenties and thirties rather than at the age of 18, feel this level of, and this again a phrase, but this level of righteousness that this is what I believe in and nothing's going to erode this belief. And then what happens later in their 40s, they look back and they're like, "Ah, I wish I explored a bit further in my 20s.
0: Yeah, good question. So that's um. so I'm I'm, I'm going to get to my last one. So remind me to come back to the last level of belief Next. in a minute. This is a good question. So, so this the challenge here is it, and what you just described is very interesting because I agree with you. I think what's happened is a lot of the younger people coming through now that in the 20s and 30s have got a set of beliefs. There is an element of ego that protects those beliefs i don't know if this is making any sense but when you believe something and you have an element of i don't want to be wrong i want to have a certain image if i'm perceived to be wrong or i'm changing my viewpoint i might be perceived to be weak and social media sadly has created that for people and i really do believe that social media has played a big part in this now you've got ego and people's perception and image adding to this whole thing about protecting a belief I don't want to change my body because I might seem like I'm weak or I'm suddenly like changing my direction. And I think that's definitely playing out in younger people at the
1: moment. That's interesting. Well, I think you've answered the question for listeners who are in their early 20s, which is look, we can talk about this subject for a long time. But what I think I extracted from that is don't allow your beliefs and the rigidness around the beliefs to be dictated by the fact that you don't want to be wrong. I think that's a big thing that's, which is, you know, you're, you're living with this belief for the next two decades because of the fact that you don't want to be wrong. Now that's a, that's not, that's not a great place to come from. Keeps you closed minded, but, but I guess then we're saying, ask yourself the question, where is this belief coming from? Is it coming from a place of, I don't want to be wrong. I don't want to look like I'm wrong. I don't want to be look foolish in front of people because that's a long time to believe something for that reason, I guess.
0: Agreed. I think the key thing here is it's a, a, it's your ego that's wrestling here. And I think if you can let that step aside, that's so going back to your question then is about young people. How would you deal with that? So somebody in their 20s had this issue. I would ask them the question. And this is all I do. And this is what happened with the young man the other day. I just said, so so what you've described to me are a couple of beliefs here that have necessarily served you. Would that be right? I'd ask that question. If it was a limiting belief we're talking about. And then they might defend it. Go, well, no, no, it's kind of kept me safe. And I say, okay, so how has it kept you safe? And then they'll tell some, me something else. And I say, okay, but from what you've described, it's actually held you back because you mentioned that you wanted to do this, but you didn't because of this. Yeah, that's true. And you said you were going to go and try this or experience this or go out on a date with this person or go and pursue that business or go for that job. But you didn't because of this. Is that right? And then usually there's a pause and they say yes. And then I ask the question, so what do you think the consequences have been and will be if you maintain this belief, both, you know, let's look back what's it cost you and let's look forward. What's it going to cost you? And that's the crux question. And anyone that's open enough to having that conversation, the ego tends to drop by the way and the truth comes out. Having that's established when, when a
1: realization. Yeah.
0: yeah. And this is the whole thing about awareness. The minute that awareness comes to the table, that's when we can do some work to make the change. But we can't do that. And that's all. That's the only answer I can give you is we have to, first of all, open the door to them realizing that this has not served me. And the minute you now look at something that you think has served you and say, oh, shit, no, this hasn't served me. But how do I let go of it? Which we'll come to in a minute. How do I let go? Of, what do I do? Because if I let go of it, I'm letting go of my identity. And that's the, Mm. that's harder for a younger person because of their ego. It's harder for somebody my age because they don't think they've got the tools to make the change. So both age groups, whether you listen to this in your twenties or thirties or even fifties or sixties, you'll still have a reason, which by the way, is a belief why you can't make the change for a younger person, but who it might be, well, who should I be now? Whereas for an older person, it might be but I don't know what tools. These roots are so deep. My bark is so thick. You know, how are you going to cut me down? How are you going to change me? Is it even possible? Whereas a younger person might think it's possible, but be afraid because it's a complete change of who they are as a
1: person. That's fascinating. And I know I took you off track with that (laughs) question. Big subject though. Um, I know we
0: spent quite a lot of time on this, but this is of the next three that we're talking about beliefs is a huge one
1: it's a huge one uh, Have we so got you time said to... there's a last level of a belief yeah like so
0: a... let me do that and then i'll give a few clues on how to how we make start making these changes The last level of belief is conviction 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 this is so deep that virtually nothing can change it you've now this is the old tree now or even a younger person that's just seen it and w- witnessed it so many times that you absolutely believe this to be the truth and nothing can sway me from this that's what you believe. I believe that it can be swayed. And I think with a strong, deep intervention, working with the right person, it can be changed. The only other thing that might change it is a massively significant emotional event, something that happens that absolutely rocks you in your you know stops you in your tracks and makes you question the belief that you had before and often it's something like if somebody believes something negatively about money and how they're treated and how other people react around money and then something happens that shocks you for example I don't know, there's a death or that somebody around you offers to help contribute financially to the startup of a business idea that you've got. Whereas previously you believe that no one would ever do that and you have put it on your back burner. And for years you've not believed that anyone will ever help you. Everyone's after you. They're always looking for an angle. And somebody came to you without any question, without any demands at all and said, I'll give you £50,000 to start the business. And I'm not going to even, you know, I'm not going to get involved with your business, going to control it or anything. I think you've got a great idea. I will simply be a supporter to this startup and, you know, we will agree a terms for the loan, etc. I don't want anything more than that. And you're like, what? That could be significant enough for you to start to shift your beliefs. Otherwise, it needs an intervention for somebody else. Those level of convictions are the toughest ones to change. So can I go through the five-stage process, not the five-step process, but the five-stage process, just to quickly illustrate what people can do to make the changes? And I think if the listeners are really, especially our supporters of the, of the Grow Tribe podcast, I would go watch the video series we've got on this, which is all about beliefs and busting those
1: beliefs. I think that's really useful, Ro, simply for the fact that we actually have dived deep into step four about beliefs so i think if this has opened people's minds to even as being aware or assessing their own beliefs and starting to question these beliefs then i think it's really useful to l- give them a process in which they can now deal with this so that would be amazing
0: okay so very quickly stage one is what i call name and shame and if anyone's got a copy of the book already it's on page 118 if you haven't done the process name and shame name and shame is simply just being aware and actually writing down on paper what those negative beliefs are. So if going back to your question earlier on, if I was sat with somebody, I'd say, right, Tell me what you believe about this, money, relationships, health, whatever the subject is, getting a job, starting your own business. I believe this. I believe that it's not possible. I believe you have to have a certain amount of money. I believe that I have to have had more years of experience before I can start my business. I believe that all relationships end up in trouble and that no one ever really respects each other. I believe that unless I'm with exactly this person, I can't get into an intimate relationship. Whatever it is, whatever you say next, you put it on paper, you name and shame it. That's the first thing. Number two, stage two, is what's it cost you, which is my big question. Now, what could you have experienced had you not had this belief? And people go, oh, my God, I would have had this. I would have made this much money. I would have started this business. I would be been in a different relationship. My health would be different. Okay, so what you're saying is the cost of this is X, Y, and Z. Yes, that's stage two. Stage three is now having identified these beliefs and what they cost you, destroy them. And this, I'll just, I'll spend a couple of minutes on this. A couple of ways to destroy them. One is you write them down and you identify how crap they are and how they haven't served you, you put them in an envelope, take them outside somewhere safely. And I've got to make a note of that. Don't do it inside the house, but find a yeah. way. And one thing that people do is burn them. And you've seen this process. And I think you might remember the, we had these bullshit envelopes, didn't we? When you came to a turning point event with me mm. once, but basically you put it inside an envelope and you identify them. You say, I don't want these beliefs to be part of my new identity and you burn them and you let them go. And you, I you clear that those consequences are disappearing. That's one way to do it. Another way to do it is simply, to visualize them and to crush them with a hammer, with a sledgehammer, with a roller. You can burn them in your mind. There's lots of different techniques, but I like the physical burning because it's a really rapid emotional way to do it. And it's kind of a relief for a lot of people. So stage three is destroy them. Last two stages. Stage four is replace the old beliefs with new empowering beliefs. You can't remove the old ones without knowing that you've got new beliefs. So I believe that. I can start a business and I believe that people will give me money to help my business. I will believe, I believe that I will bring the right people around me. I believe that I will find an amazing partner. I believe that I can eat healthy and stay, you know, stay on track and be successful, whatever it is for you. But you've got to have those beliefs. Without those new beliefs, you'll typically find yourself slipping back into old habits. So we need to replace that That's stage four. And finally, stage five is celebrate, celebrate this process, celebrate you've got a new set of beliefs and take those beliefs from other people be a good thief listen to Harminder. if you're young you're 30 35 years of age maybe you take some of his beliefs if you're slightly older and you're looking for some of the beliefs around the older generation take some of mine find inspiring people out there look at what they do think about what beliefs they have and i talk about this in the book as well and just build your own set of new beliefs that's the five stages
1: fantastic so that if you're listening at home i mean to me Ro, that made total sense just follow those steps and for anybody listening if you want an easy reference to that the first thing to do is just go purchase the turning point book that's available on amazon that's a no-brainer but second to that if you want a super super quick reference is go to growthtribes.com forward slash podcast and that's where the show notes are always and then you've got a quick reference to those stages yeah there now well i think that leads us nicely now somebody's got the action points i think they're the action points around step four because in part one at the end of each step we gave you a whole bunch of action points to do in order to do something to nail that part of the process in regards to change so i think they make up the fantastic stages in regards to action points for step four. Yeah, um, I, I, I agree any-
0: with you. And I don't think, whereas sometimes on our podcast, we do them at the end, this is nice because we're dropping them in along the way. And we have spent more time on this subject because actually without having the right beliefs in place, you're not going to naturally progress into stage five and six. I don't believe so.
1: Exactly. So on that note, then let's dive into step five. Step five. What yeah. is step five? And then I can jump in with any examples off the back of that.
0: So step five is create a supportive environment and again it is as important of everything else we've covered i think it's one that's overlooked actually because a lot of people tend to blame certain things but the environment in which you operate plays out massively in how you feel as a person i mean just think about it from the point of view of when you wake up on a cold wet grey wet pissy day and you look out the window versus when you look out that same window and the sun is shining a robin suddenly lands on your windowsill some flowers are just popping out and a little rabbit hops by the window and the breeze of that morning meadow grass comes through the window think about how you feel so your environment does make a difference now there's two environments, to keep it simple. There's the internal environment and there's the external environment. So we've talked a lot about the internal environment, I think, already, Harms, which is basically talking about our internal values, our internal beliefs, our internal language. So I don't really want to spend a lot of time there, but I do want to make people aware that if you haven't really taken the time to follow these first four steps that we talked about, I think go back and revisit those because that is what makes up our internal environment. No matter what's going on outside, if you can control that internal environment, it's your space where you meditate, you keep yourself calm, where you reflect internally, you look at your beliefs and you applaud yourself, you compliment yourself, you you reinforce the values and the beliefs, and that's where you keep it safe. If you cannot keep your garden clean internally, if you can't weed the garden internally, you can't expect the external world to be in alignment with you because you'll be misaligned you're wanting the outside world to be perfect but inside you yourself have got a lot of challenges as well so that is really important i'm going to pause there because i'm talking quite quick here harms anything you want to add or does it make sense from the way i'm describing it
1: that makes total sense. And I would encourage listeners, if you want to start understanding that internal environment, start with step one, because we actually talk about it in a lot of detail in step one, where that focus is around internal language, internal communication, and that's a vital step. So coincidentally, it is step one, but we actually ex- expand on it greatly in the internal environment in that step. So that's that's all I have to add there. Well, I think talking about the external environment will be really useful, Because we can actually get some really tangible, practical tips, I think, from this particular step.
0: Yeah, and I'm going to ask you to reflect on this a minute. As I'm talking, Harms, I want you to think about you and Gina, your lovely wife. And by the way, everybody, his baby's due very soon. And what you've done externally to change your circumstances to increase your chances of winning. In other words, how you've changed yourself to the point now by what you've done maybe for example how you live etc where you live to, to give you the opportunity to and not just from a financial perspective but also the environment uh, in which you live in terms of uh, the quality of life and how you want your new family to be because i think you've made some very interesting choices and i think it's worth talking about it because that's all to do with the environment. So, as i'm talking when you're ready just jump in if you feel comfortable with that but i'll just describe to everybody listening i'm just because you asked me to quote from the book page 141 and I've got here, it says an, an external environment check. So that's the heading of the paragraph in this section of the book. And it says, here, I'd like to focus on what environments can influence you and also what actions you can take to change those environments. Let's zoom in on your external world and make a note of the different elements that it comprises okay so your external world comprises the following now I'm trying to simplify this first of all your family and friends so the immediate people around you this is about the people around you by the way as opposed to your physical environment just for a minute then the next ring outside that is your work colleague or your business colleagues and your community and then the and then the next influence externally around you would be your culture or your religion in which you're growing up in And then, of course, outside of that, you've got the country in which you're growing up in as well. So these are external checks on your environment of the people that you associate with. The other thing to check is the environment within which you live. So how does it look? How does it feel? Does it support? the way you want your life to be so for example we live in an area where there's a lot of organic food available there's three or four organic farms close to us it supports our beliefs and our values about how we want to live it makes it easier for us to get access to things like that as well now i'm not going to spend a lot of time on this because i think this is quite a deep one but i will give you a few pointers and i think i'm just going to do friends and family actually harms and then maybe you can jump in and add a little bit about the external environment in terms of how you live where you live because i think you've got a great I've seen you do this great thing you can add to this so um, those of you listening to this if I flip the page I do want to pick friends and family because this is the one that's the toughest for us to deal with we're talking about who you mix with how you mix with them and you might ask the question whether you mix with them now with family that's tougher I'm not here to say don't mix with certain members of your family that are negative whereas you could argue if you've got colleagues or people you've met in the work environment or even within your friend circle, there is a, an argument to say you don't have to go mix with them and meet them. But on family get togethers, if there's certain people you don't connect with or relate to, it may be difficult not to mix or meet with them, but you can manage that that relationship. So let me give you a few things to consider to check on whether friends and family are supportive of our external environment. Here's a few things on page 143. Are they positively or negatively focused with their words. So think about the language they use. Do they talk about other people and things or about what they are passionate about? Steen and my fiance, mentioned this on a meeting. She went to her parents' get-together the other day and she was surprised to see the contrast between those that were talking really negatively about the experience of COVID and starting to point fingers at certain people and government and things like that, whereas others were talking about how they can make the experience better for their kids and what they can do as they come through and beyond COVID. So there's, there's an interesting example. Do they focus a lot on what they hear and see in the media? Are they abundant in their nature? Do they talk about themselves and their story a lot? Do they ask about your life and what's exciting about you and what you're doing? Do their beliefs, rules and values support or conflict with yours? These are good questions to ask. And last one, do they generally blame others or do they take responsibility? If you are mixing with people and they're beliefs and their behavior is not supporting your internal beliefs and your internal values you've got a challenge there and the more you mix with people like that externally the tougher it's going to be you've got to decide have i got a strong set of beliefs that have enough conviction for me to stand up and say what i believe and not feel that i have to compromise that or is it a case of actually every time i go into a family get together or friends they are so strong in their convictions they're so aggressive in the terms of their way they're quite pushy i feel really uncomfortable and the more i go there i don't enjoy these get-togethers because i just don't align with what they're saying in which case in that environment you're gonna to have to seriously think about reducing the time in that space or managing how you operate there but i promise you if you stay long enough in an environment with people like that who aren't supportive of you and your values two things will happen you will either compromise and then end up becoming them or they'll there'll be family feuds, there'll be breakups and you just probably won't end up going to those events. So just be mindful of that. And you might put your hand up and say, oh my gosh, I've been through that already, Dr. Rowe. But that's what I've witnessed so many times over the years with myself, but also other people as well.
1: Interesting. I, I think that's a great introduction to the description because if somebody's thinking about, okay, what's the closest environment to me, you've listed them out. The first thing is yeah, people. It's the, it's the people around you because our greatest beliefs, I personally believe, are shaped by people's influences whether they're positive or negative totally and 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 even if you think about some of the amazing entrepreneurs of this world one of the things they attribute their success to is either they had a parent or both parents who were incredibly supportive and positive about whatever they wanted to do at that time yeah and if you think about the bill gates the elon musk's of this world who we look at and we aspire to in terms of how they are changing the shape and the landscape of this world through many of the positive things they do, they do attribute it to some of their childhood scenarios and the way their parents supported them. So that's fantastic. Just on that
0: note then to add to that. So mm -hmm. just recently my daughter has taken an interest in organic farming and planting seeds. So to support, instead of me saying, I've got the time and I, I genuinely was quite busy last week when she was really wanting to get things going. And she said, can we go out and get some pots? She wanted to get some natural pots as opposed to plastic things and so went out and bought these ceramic things I think or or terracotta and then we brought them back but she then needed to plant the seeds so we had to go get some organic soil so I reached out to a few people because it wasn't being available to buy locally um, in the garden centers but the farms had it and then we realized she needed to protect it from the rain so I went and built shelving in the shed one morning I got up early to do that because I thought well if I say no to her she then will have an experience of daddy not necessarily wanting to encourage her to do that. But at the same time, it stops her being able to pursue it. So now she's got free reign. Now she can do what she wants. She has got the soil there. She has got the environment to grow them. How and when and whether she pursues it all the way through is her choice. But going to what you're saying there, I just felt I needed to provide that space for her to explore that herself.
1: And Uh, that's creating a supportive environment, a positive environment to, to do anything in. And that's a great childhood example this also applies in workplaces. So some of the best leaders of a company go out their way to create a supportive environment so that people can be the best versions of themselves. And I think it plays out in many different places. Now that's people. Do you want me to talk about the environment in regards so, to where we live
0: yeah so if i if i was to say i'll cue you up harms because i guess mm. you probably had an idea what i was going to say for all the listeners on page 46 i'm going to hand you over to Haminda because the title here is it says it's time to relocate think about your external environment there's the internal one but there's the external one physically not just people which we've covered and the subheading is it's time to relocate over to my bearded friend
1: I want to tie this back to the previous step row, which is you spoke about beliefs and you gave the analogy of a tree. Now, the reality is what's interesting about that analogy is us as humans, we're not trees. And I know it's a cliche, but we can move. We don't have to stay in the same ground, the same location for the rest of our lives, although some people do. And I know you and your family are a great example of this where you are the opposite of trees and you've traveled all around the world with the family as well. So that's that's yeah. a, a good example of being around, going back to people, inspiring people and saying, wow, actually there's people who are not trees. They are exploring. They are relocating. They are relocating multiple times and they're still okay. You know, they're still living a great life. They're still happy versus somebody who's a tree. They live in the same house for you know 30 40 50 years and it's the house maybe they grew up in they haven't moved out of that house for various reasons in the same place now that's one way to think about it but the way I thought about it Ro was linking back to the beliefs where I said in our 20s I truly believe it's a great time to explore now the first part of my 20s I didn't I wasn't off that mindset I just happened to have gone to an event called turning point which you run and it opens (laughs) uh, opened my eyes to oh my goodness i am living by this set of beliefs which was i need to have a good job i need to you know buy a house i need to pay down the mortgage as quickly as possible so i was following this certain belief another way to describe that is a a plan a life plan and i quickly realized that has to change so if you think about change in regards to location, which is what the question was that we're asked, is we want to explore and just say, look, we're not trees. We need to work out what we want to do. So each of these locations, if you're listening to this at home, is, is no judgment on the location. There's no judgment whatsoever on the location, but how will I know what is right for me unless I go and explore different places? So the first one was where I literally grew up, which was an urban environment in west london and this place is busy there's always traffic we lived roadside so there's a bus coming every two minutes double decker bus on a road which it just doesn't belong on there's unlimited amounts of people or what feels like unlimited amounts of people it's an it's one of those cities where or one of those towns rather where you've got every other house is occupied in a HMO scenario. So a house of multiple occupancy scenario where there's like five, six, seven, eight people living in each property and they don't necessarily know each other. So that was the urban environment I grew up in. Now there's going to be pros and cons with that, but what it, but another way to describe this is it was a concrete jungle. It's concrete everywhere. There's no trees. You're going to have to drive to go see a bit of nature in a tree. So Mm -hmm. when me and my wife got married, we said, okay, what do we need to do in order to shock our belief system that we don't have to remain here if we don't want to? How do we shock ourselves into thinking, is this the right location or the invite right environment in order for us to go pursue what we want to do, open up our mindset? So we said, okay, what's the best way to do this? Let's go to the extreme opposite of a urban metropolitan concrete jungle, which was let's go live in the country where... We're literally surrounded by no people, just rolling hills. It takes like 30 minutes off the nearest motorways to get to that house. And that's what we did, Ro. So we just literally moved. We made the decision in a matter of weeks and we said, right, we're done. We're moving. We need a change of environment. So we did. We changed environment and that was complete nature. We could walk out the front door and walk for hours and hours. And we were just constantly surrounded by greenery. Now, that was up in Yorkshire, a remarkable place in the country. And that's in the UK if you're listening to this internationally. So if you do pop by, I do recommend visiting there I'm over by the Lake District. What we found, Ro, was when we changed the environment there and had the silence, the peace, the nature, the the earthiness, it was, it was like, wow. It was completely different to the noise, the busyness. Now, again, this is exploring in our 20s. Does that mean we're going to behave like trees and remain here for the rest of our life? Well, we asked ourselves that question and the question was, no, we haven't explored all the avenues. And the truth is, we still haven't explored all the avenues. So the next step to that was a suburban, I guess it's described as a suburban town, a hybrid between what I described in West London and what I've just described out there living in the country by ourselves when there's no people. And the reason for that, Ro, was it was to have a mix between... The positive things that you get from an environment, you know, the nature, the earthiness, the the feeling that you're connected to the earth versus this this concrete barrier, which almost always disconnects us from feeling centered. And also what you've spoken about being around the good people. So yeah. you live locally to us. I've got other business partners who live locally to us now. So it's a connection. It's, it's finding a hybrid and a good place between... The environment, in terms of the physical environment we live in, which is a healthy place to live in, plus the people, because what we was previously having to do was travel three or four hours to meet a business partner, which wasn't, which wasn't right. So that's our journey so far. But Ro having listened to what you've done, is you know li- lived in places like Barcelona, travel the world, spent time in Australia, amongst other places. That's also inspiration for listeners at home to think. Wow, this this goes beyond the country. One of the places we you spoke about and mentioned was in regards to how people create their environment. Is one was religion, culture, but also a country, which then shapes and opens your mind to a different kind of culture, religion, community, work, a different kind of economy. So, I think if you're listening to this in your twenties, what do you take away from what I've just described there, which is I think anchoring back to what we spoke about at the start, which is you're not physically a tree. You can move. And sometimes you have to shock yourself into making that move in order to be in a better supportive environment, whether that's nature-orientated, whether that's people-orientated. I think do it as soon as you can. And Ro, do you think doing it in your 20s is a great idea or do you think actually people can do this at any point
0: i think people can do this at any point i've loved watching your journey by the way and each decision takes you sort of to a different place it's nice to have you local to us you've had a lot more time to spend with us and the kids and i think because you're coming into parenthood as well it gives you a chance to reevaluate how that's going to be so i don't think there's necessarily a rule of thumb. I've, I've seen, I've seen people in their sixties and seventies completely radically changed their whole perspective on where they want to go. They've just shed that bark and said, I want to start fresh. I want to, I want to relocate. I think it's tougher for the ones listening. that like, Oh yeah, but we've got kids that are at school. We've mm-hmm. kind of set our rules down. We've got a job in this location. And I totally get that. And I understand how that could be a challenge. But again, there's a set of beliefs attached to that as well. What if you said, okay, I mean, especially if you start developing an online business, and you haven't watched or listened to the online business interview that we did here on the podcast with Harminder and his business partner, Kyle, you should have listened listen to that because it could be you develop an online business or you develop a property portfolio, which I think we've done on another podcast. These are things that you can start to develop alongside what you're doing. That gives you choices now because geographically, you don't have to be living in that location. What if you took the kids through homeschooling or went flexible with their learning? There's loads of things you can consider. And all I'm doing is challenging your beliefs right now as you're listening to this to ask yourself the question, well, what if I did make those changes? Arminda's been able to do it at an early age, and I suspect it will become something that's part now of their beliefs. They've gone from it being somebody else's opinion, which was maybe ours and a few other friends they've got, to now they had their own opinion, but they're doing it, they're living it. And your conviction, I can see, actually is getting deeper and deeper each time you go through this process. So it's quite it's quite interesting watching that, and you, it'd be great to you know, when we're podcasting in 10 years time to have a conversation about this now and, and you talking about that experience with your kids that you've got by then to see how that's changed. And, and if it's consolidated, you might even be in another country by then. I don't know. But mm, it, absolutely. There's no limits really. And that's the whole beauty of this. And that's the whole point I think about life is the minute we put that belief of limits on ourselves, it changes everything. And environment is one of those things. It's just a radical, it's a simple thing. Going on holiday is a change of environment. And why is it that people come back from holiday feeling refreshed, invigorated, inspired? It has to be radically to do with, number one, a mental change of environment, but also a physical change of environment as
1: well. Assuming it's been a good holiday, of course. (laughs) Of course. And why can't somebody do that every year? Why can't somebody do that every couple of years or every three or four years when they feel like the environment is no longer serving them? And I think this is what's really important about step five is you know, The idea is to create a supportive environment all the way through those channels, which is where you live, your friends and family, the people around you, your workplace, your business, the culture you're growing up in, the country you're growing up in. If it doesn't serve you, you don't have to remain there. And I think asking that question, which you discussed in step four, which is how does the environment serve you? Would that be the question to ask yourself before you make Yeah. Change in this area.
0: Yeah, I think at this stage, and and you're raising another good point, is I think in view of the fact that you've gone through all these processes with us, the simple thing at this stage, as Haminda said, is just simply ask that question, reflect back, pause without all the noise, and think about how you're living on a day to day basis. And two questions really are the people around me serving me? Are they making me a better person? They're helping me grow and serve myself, my family, and the world at a greater level? Or are these people actually holding you back or or even if they're not holding you back, are they making you feel like you can't grow and expand? And if that's the case, that's like having elastic bands tied around you. And it's not about cutting those relationships, but it might be changing the way you interact in those relationships so you can still maintain them, but do it in a way that's healthy for you. That's the first question you've got to ask. The second question as you just said there is, is this a supportive environment? Even where you live, where you work, the way you travel to all these things, uh, and if it's supportive, great. And if it's not, how long are you prepared to live there before you get to a point of frustration where you make the decision anyway, and you say, "I've got to get out of here." So,
1: mm. and, I, and I think what's but, yeah. useful though is so to interrupt is I, I know when I explain my story, it's a case of me and my wife do make decisions in the sense of because of the way we've got our businesses set up is cool i think we're done here this environment no longer supports us let's make a change and sometimes we can do that within a month or within thir- two weeks was our last big change it was like cool we're done you actually helped us out in regards to row well, where we want to move down south you said actually this is a great supporting environment in terms of a location you checked it out you vetted it you saw the place next next two or three weeks we moved down so you don't have to do that. If you listen to this, it doesn't have to play out like that. But what it should maybe do, though, is for people listening is, okay, I need to change my environment, my location, my job, my business, or whatever it is. And then work towards that. It yeah. could take six months, it could take a year, it could take a year and a half. But at least that becomes now an aspirational goal that you can work towards. I agree. And, have to and I instant. think what
0: you've actually pointed out is important. It, the actual physical activity of the change may be slower, but if the decision is clear and made quickly, then the conviction comes behind that, then you act. And we've been exactly the same. We, we've literally said, right, that's it. Boom, we're off and away we go and often our family have always commented on how quickly we've just kind of disassembled our lives (laughs) and then reassemble it somewhere else (laughs) we just happen to be reassembling it in a slightly different way at the moment but you have to be you have to have conviction to see it through and that's what where a lot of people go astray but that's a conversation for another day it's that you know it's, it's be it's sticking by those beliefs and following it through
1: because because one thing that could happen is you could if if the decision is weak and it doesn't have that level of conviction you may say to somebody Oh yeah, we're thinking about moving. So talking about the people in your environment, we're thinking about moving and then they're gonna put a dampener on it. They're gonna say, Oh no, you shouldn't do that because of this. Oh no, you shouldn't do that because of this. Are you crazy? And and that can apply to any kind of environmental change, whether it's your physical location, yes. whether it's your job or whatever that is, or the group of pe- or this new group of people you're hanging out with who are have a positive impact on your life, it's going to affect and disturb the in the current environment. So if you are I guess if you don't have that conviction role, you can quite easily be swayed not to make any change. And
0: this this goes back to beliefs. I mean if you think about the word conviction it, it keeps coming back to this sense of conviction and whether somebody's genuinely focused on it and believes it to be right for them or oh, oh, because we heard it on podcast maybe we should do it. That's kind of someone else's opinion now. All we're doing is we're just saying look look at all of these steps. Start to evaluate them. And tying it back to this whole coming through COVID, but it doesn't have to be COVID. It can be, as Harminder said at the beginning, any area of your life. It could be a relationship breakup, career change breakup. could just be that point in your life where you want to do something different. This process, it it is pulling it apart in a very logical way. Let me look at my internal language, look at my values. This is about your identity, by the way. My rules associated with that, my conditions, then my beliefs. This is all about your identity. And now, if I'm going to have this new identity, the next step is, do I need to change my environment? And, and then the last step, which we'll come to in a minute is let me attach a sense of purpose
1: to this. So it really gives me the drive to, to see this through. So that leads us on to step six, step six, which purpose. Is step six, which is purpose. So just as a quick clarification, step four we've spoken about is the beliefs. We spend a long time on that because it's so, so critical to open up that awareness around how beliefs are shifting our decisions. Then we've just finished discussing step five, which is about creating a supportive environment for change. We deep dived into people and we deep dived into the physical environment in which you live in. And of course, there's a whole bunch of other areas, culture, religion, community, work, business, the physical country you live in and how that shapes your supportive environment or not. So that's step five. Now, step six is the final piece of this Change process jigsaw puzzle. This process, uh, and that's step six. So, well, what is step six?
0: Yeah, so step six is, and I'll read the title if we're going off the book, which we said we would do at the beginning, and it's page 151 is Wake Up on Purpose with a Vision. And I love, I mean, I've got a couple of quotes here. I was just having a quick look down as you were just doing the introduction here. I've got a quote here from Jack Canfield, who's a fantastic author, mm. Chicken Suit for the Soul, etc. Here is a promise if you make the effort to develop the habit of unusual clarity, the payoff for you down the road will be tremendous. I think that's wonderful. So it's about clarity. And I guess what I want to talk about here, and this is a big subject in its own right, is two things. Number one, you must have a vision for the future. People say to me, I can't find my purpose. I can't find my purpose. And I remember going through this at a young age as well, because the problem is we're sort of Brought up to believe that you have to go find this thing that you want for your life, but imagine a situation where you're really aligned with your values, you're really aligned with your beliefs, you have a strong sense of your identity, and now you're vibrating in that space. Anything that's right for you will be drawn to you because if you have the belief of the law of attraction, I'm going to give you some heads up on this in a minute. I'm just going to give you a couple of things that you might want to write down around this on the law of attraction. It you will only attract to you that which you are putting out. In other words, when you vibrate at a certain frequency in the same way a note does, and if you've ever seen this, it's amazing, literally something will start to vibrate if it's aligned at the same frequency, resonant frequency of the other thing that's vibrating already. So if something gives off enough emission of energy, a certain frequency, and you turn up the the volume on that, if you like, that any bodies, any physical bodies around that thing that's vibrating will only vibrate if they are aligned with that initial source of vibration, which means you could have 10 items on a table and only three of them vibrate because they are aligned. And that's the same thing with your purpose. Your purpose will only come to you, not that you go finding it, but think of it the other way around. This could be a complete paradigm shift for anyone listening to this. Oh my God, I've been looking and looking and looking. But of course, that looking then is often angled or the frequency is changed by why can't I find my purpose? Why can't I find it? Why can't? And of course, your, your vibration is different now. Whereas if you just go out there and be yourself and start to have some passion in certain areas of your life, you'll find that it will come to you. Mm. And I think that's happened for you. I've watched that in your life, actually, and just the way you've attracted things to you because of that. For
1: sure, because, uh, you know, at some point in the past, you know, probably when I was in my teens or early twenties, I had that feeling where I'm just going to wake up one day and I'm going to know what my purpose is. And interestingly enough, we talk about this in detail, which is on a podcast called, the growth tribes podcast episode called how to find my purpose. And I think we just talk about this in a lot of detail. So I would certainly check that episode out, Yeah, which, which is fantastic because we've covered so many different topics and it's now really amazing to just to reference to items where we started to expand on these areas. So if purpose is one of the areas which you've just constantly come against a block, i.e. an example of that block is I'm just going to wait for this to land in my lap or I'm going to wake up one day and I'm going to know what my purpose is. I'm going to hand my resignation letter in and I'm just going to go pursue that. It doesn't quite work out that way. It mm. It's almost like if you, if, well, if you think about the story, which I just explained where I've traveled from this location to a cu- the country, to the a hybrid ex- in place, uh, some of the things we do is travel for 30 days plus a year. This is exploring passions. This is, trying to find out what's out there that closely aligns with what potentially could be my purpose without getting hung up on the fact that i got to find this purpose. So I think that's how it's played out in my life.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm going to add to what you're saying. Don't, mm. so for anyone listening, and I think somebody younger might misunderstand this versus older, and that's not being disrespectful, but it's also how we measure things technically when we're younger. I know this myself, is don't Misunderstand being successful in your job, your career, or making more money to say, "Oh, I feel like I'm on purpose now." They're two different things. It's a when you are aligned. I mean, I love what we do with these podcasts. Uh, Speaking as somebody who's older, you know, you see me on stage. When I'm in that space, I'm completely alive and engaged with what I'm doing. That's when I know I'm on purpose. If I spend time with my kids and playing with them, and I switch off everything else, that's an area, another area of my life that I'm on purpose. So. When people say, oh yeah, I feel like I'm on purpose, I say, how do you know? And they go, well, because I've just got a new promotion. I'm making this much money per year I just get a new car. And I will say to them, that's great. You're obviously doing really well in your job. Is what you're doing in your job, your true passion and purpose in terms of you as a human being? And they go, uh, yeah, well, but it pays really well. Okay. <laughs> and that's a different answer. Am I making sense? I don't, I don't want to, I'm not trying to preach here. I'm just trying to make people aware of the difference between measuring something from a financial perspective versus am I on purpose really doing what I love to do.
1: I think that's a really useful distinction though, because one of the things my generation might get confused with, and again, there's no right or wrong answer here is when we often look at, let's say a Bill Gates, for example, now his purpose has evolved over time but it's very, he's very uh, charitable, It's philanthropic, he's changing the world in his own way. Now that's his purpose, you can see that ooze out of him. But his purpose before that was to create Microsoft. Now, what's interesting is, he, his purpose wasn't to create Microsoft to make loads of money, it was to create Microsoft because he was just addicted to this idea of computers personal computers or software associated with it money was just a byproduct so I think definitely distinct creating a distinction between the two is important otherwise you could spend two three four decades chasing money thinking that's a purpose to one day wake up and realize ah that's that wasn't that wasn't actually who i am and what yeah. i wanted to focus on
0: and and you know the obvious question because they're listening and they can't interact with us is well can i do both and actually yeah if you've got a great career and it's going well and you're making great financial benefits from it and you're still feeling that there's other things you want to pursue or that that you haven't quite aligned with that thing that you want to attract are your purpose for example there's nothing to stop you staying in that space for now whilst you then open yourself up to these other areas of your life. And to help you do that, I think there's a couple of things I would just want to share with you from from the book because you said to me to read a couple of things where you've asked mm, if you can do that. I, I've got a title here called Vision is Attraction. And I just go on to talk about, there's a diagram on page 155, which talks about the, it's where the two meet. And there's this point... I call it the critical point of contact and the critical point of contact is where attraction meets your vision, your intent, your thought, and your focus. And I'll just read those out to you very quickly. So if you think of a vision for the future, not necessarily your specific purpose, and I try to differentiate here, but the vision being the, the, you know, for example, Haminda had a vision to be able to be a, a father, a great, husband, be a great dad, but also live in an environment where he could stay connected with his business partner or partners and get access to be able to fly around the world and live in a place where there's a consciousness about food. That ki- that vision then describes itself in a way which is how life is going to be on a daily basis. You can describe that for yourself. How do you see this amazing future for you? And that, that is your vision. It's different to your purpose. Now, when vision aligns with attraction intent thought and focus everything changes so let me give you my definition of intent intent is the source of your desire this is the birthplace of your vision an embryo in its purest form this intention must come from a point of absolute pure desire okay so intention is that feeling inside where it's like coming from right down in the depth of you it's not something in your head you just know it to be the case this is your intention the thought which is the other element of this whole interaction is the conscious and unconscious part of the process. This is where you start to form images and substance to the pure intention behind the thought. Now it might feel deep for some of you and, you know, we go black belt on this. So now we have a feeling, which is our intention. And now we process imagery around that. Is this making sense harms? That doesn't make sense. Yeah. All right. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm placing my own, visual perception of what that intention is. Everybody's intention can be the same, but how we see it, how we take the thought and process that is different for every single person because of who we are and how we've been brought up and our beliefs and all of our culture experience, etc. So we place a conscious and unconscious thought around that intention to try in our minds to give it a form which we can manifest. I'm trying to find words that help our listeners. Just stop me if I'm not making sense at any point, but I'm just using kind of my language around this. Uh, The third thing is focus. Now, for resonant harmony to occur, this is what I've written here, and this is what I believe, Uh, With that which you're trying to attract, your thoughts must be focused with absolute sharpness and clarity, which goes back to the quote I gave earlier on. Also, part of the focus is taking a specific action towards your desire. So what I'm saying here, Harms, is if you imagine you probably remember this from when you were younger, when you take a magnifying glass and you want to burn a hole in a piece of paper the light can come through so the intention can be there the thought can be there but it isn't focused. Now if we move the magnifying glass and that intention and thought comes to a point you might remember this from being young we, we used to start fires with on a piece of wood or on a piece of paper because we've taken all of those thoughts and intentions that light from the Sun and we've brought it through to a fine point where you get maximum impact and that's where you generate the heat again I'm going to pause is this making sense?
1: that makes sense and what i love about that process which actually you've answered it which is one of the critic one of the critiques or the critical questions that comes off the back of pursuing a purpose or passion or vision or when people talk about the law of attraction when people talk about attraction as a principle is you mentioned intention you mentioned thought but you added that really critical ingredient which is focus and in that description you mentioned that is where you take action. And I think that answers a question for somebody who maybe was going to ask a question, and I was going to Mm. ask it as a counter question to this, which is, can you just imagine this? You know, when we're talking about waking up on purpose with a vision, can you just imagine this and things are going to fall into your lap? You've answered the question in the sense that, no, you just can't. You have this third ingredient, which is that level of clarity and focus, which includes this powerful action this taking a step towards that intention and thought that you've created deep down in your heart your soul plus this now conscious thought and imagery that's created and then going ahead and taking action on it and i think if you want to really simplify this put money aside as an example when me and gina wanted to move from the country down south we had those three ingredients the desire was to move around the people who we are connected with So the Growth Tribes podcast, me and Ro did do this podcast together. I wanted to be closer to him so that we could get this podcast even greater than what I think it is at the moment. And that was the intention. Then the thought was, okay, we're going to go live down there. This is what the location needs to look like. Now, that wasn't going to just fall into our lap. We had to take action on it. And in our case, it was immediate action. It was intense action. And next thing we know, we're down south. Five-hour journey. Moving the entire contents of our life (laughs) down south, and here we are. So I think I think you get the message there, which is you know some people are you know they oh yeah you you can just imagine it and it's just going to happen. It's not quite. It doesn't quite work like that.
0: So, can I add to you, what happened to you? Because uh, yeah, I don't. Know if, um, you, so, l- l- if I explain it, then you can add to this. So, so, the fourth element here is attraction. Now, attraction. I'll read it to you, and I'll type back to Harminder's stories. Attractive forces activate once you consistently apply the three steps described above by keeping your vision clearly out in front of you, and continually practicing the focus and the thought process. Many incidences of attraction will occur. Now, if you're listening to this, you're wondering what I'm talking about. Attraction, another word might be, for example, synchronicity, hmm. or a more common one for the everyday person would be a coincidence. I don't actually necessarily believe that myself. I think we create situations where we synchronize or we attract things to us. I don't like using the word coincidence. A classic example yesterday, for example, is that you know we are moving the way we our our eldest daughter learns. So we're moving into homeschooling. It's a conscious decision we've been thinking about for about a year or so. COVID's just been a catalyst to that. And so we were looking to put it out there to the universe to see if we can find a good language teacher, somebody that can spend a bit of time with her, as well as a maths teacher. Now, I'm sat there with Harminda and we were on a bench yesterday and it started to rain. We're having a coffee socially distance, and it started to rain and I looked around and Harm said, let's just go sit in the bus shelter over there before we finish. We sat down in the bus shelter and there's one board off to the right, just one single board. We've got to photograph of this. And in the middle of the board, and it was literally in the middle of the board, it said French tutor available, didn't it, Harm's? <laughs> It was like, incredible, and he
1: was like, "I've been looking for a language teacher," and I was like, "No way!" And that we've we've had coffee multiple times over yeah, the last year. In that area, we've never gone to that bus shelter, never ever. We've never sat there. We never sat there and had a conversation and a coffee, which was. And that morning, just we were talking mango. about it.
0: That that very morning, yes. we were talking about math tutor and a French tutor, and she was saying she'd really like to have somebody come in so that she can have some personal experience. We said, "Okay, that's a great idea. Let's do that." And there it happened. Uh, same thing with Harminda. when the forces of his intention. His thought and his focus came together. You literally got a phone call, or it was a message or an email from I think where you were renting, and they said, "Well, it's time to terminate the tenancy agreement." Do you remember this? It was like oh, it was insane. And you were like, "You know what? We made the decision we're going to move, but we weren't sure how to time it because of the landlord and the tenancy agreement." And sure enough, the universe went boom. Don't worry, we'll send you a message from the
1: landlord. (laughs) (laughs) So it, and I think that was it. And then, so not coincidentally but with synchronicity in place what what then happened was a couple of weeks later this flat appeared that's right we're 5 hours away you viewed it for us we booked it within the neck within that 24 hours and the move happens yeah so Effortlessly, think,
0: e- this is yeah. the point, everybody. It's effortlessly. Yeah. This is the. I want to say it again, effortlessly. The minute it becomes a push, a shove, and a, and a and a struggle, those elements aren't aligning. Attraction is being forced, as opposed to
1: synchronicity happening. And I think that's a really good point, Ro, because if you take our example, and the reason I'm share the reason I'm sharing this example is you can apply this to situations that have happened in your life, and maybe you've resisted, or maybe you've gone with a flow. So for me and Gina, before the move, we already put the intention out there. You know, we had the desire to move. We put the thought out there, where would we like to move? What does it look like? We then put the focus in place. We were very clear we wanted to move. The attraction happened, i.e. you need to move out of this place now. We could have moved locally, but no, let's make the decision to align with that intention, thought, and focus that we already have in place. So I think also, Ro, the effortlessness comes from you know, going with the flow. You've already decided in your heart that this is what I want to do. Don't suddenly put a block up to it and say, "Nope, That's okay, now's not the time." Nope, I'm not ready. I mean, and you've the block are
0: the limiting beliefs. Mm. So it goes back. And That ties in, yeah, yeah. And so Harminda was in such a great place, and they were just ready for it. That, that, that every little synchronistic piece of universe fell into place and that ties back to purpose so when we do these things together and we start it becomes to the vision the vision will allow the purpose to come into place now just to help consolidate this before we wrap up because it's such a big subject And by the way i know i know if you're listening since you're thinking he's mentioned it again but within the growth tribes environment those of you that are supportive of the Growth Prize podcast, if you choose to, you can get access to a video call. Purpose it's, it's creating your purpose, and you'll see me actually go through a complete process there, where I genuinely show you my own purpose statements around specific areas of my life. And if you're wondering what I'm talking about here, I'm going to give you five to consider or four to consider at this stage. If you don't, instead of trying to invent some massive purpose, start to create a vision for each of the following areas: your wealth and a contribution to the world. So think about money, wealth, and how you can give out to the world. That's one area. Another area is health. So it's a second area. Third area is family and friends. So those people around you. So think of it as relationships, if you like. And the last one is personal growth. Now, even if you created a vision for each of those four areas as a starting point, you'll find that you start to get a sense of what your purpose is you'll fi- you're, when you wake up and you feel excited about a certain thing that you're doing or a certain area of your life make a note of it and start to keep a journal on when you feel most alive most awake and this is your actions by the way for this particular section and this is how i very slowly, not very quickly, how I very slowly discovered that actually one of my greatest purposes was to be a teacher, a messenger, to inspire and to intervene and to help people. Although I loved my engineering world and I did love doing it, I didn't feel as alive as when I was doing things like I'm doing with you right now. And the more I found myself getting excited about it, I just allowed it to happen and, and hope it ha- come into my life. And then more opportunities came, more speaking opportunities. And instead of fighting it and resisting it, I just said, because I used to say, but this is not engineering. Should I be doing this? And then I started to say, well, I love this. Let me do it anyway. And so your purpose will reveal itself to you if you start to break down your life into different areas and then see how you wake up in those areas. I think that's all I'm going to say for now, Harms, because it's such a big subject that's a great action point
1: can i add an action point for maybe people who are a bit left brain a bit logical yeah um which sometimes i can tend to be so what i did on this topic well i mean after the podcast where we discussed purpose we've spoken about this subject again and again and again and i'm still in the exploration stage in my life now what i did is i had a simple excel spreadsheet and i would journal every day just as bullet points what I did in that day or certain things that happened to me in that day and what I would do at the end of the day was I would just give it a score I would just give it a number one number no additional description at that stage again very left brain and I would just give it a number from one to ten now I did this every single day for I think about three months and the reason for it was I wanted to look back and find out what what was I doing on days where I felt a seven eight nine or ten And what was I doing on days where I felt a one, two, three or four and one, two, three or four is that was a crap day. Wasn't, didn't enjoy that too much. And the seven, eight, nines and tens was whatever I was doing that day. I had fun. I loved it. I enjoyed it. So as an example for listeners at home, for me, this is an eight or nine day. I'm doing a podcast recording. It's, it's exactly what I want to be doing in the day we'll go and edit it, we'll go to the team, we'll have some chats around it, Uh, let's do this, let's do this, we'll start writing up the copy for the Growth Tribes show notes at growthtribes.com forward slash podcast, you know where to find those now. So what that allowed me to do was not to continue it just for the sake of it, but then look at, okay, these are the things that I'm doing in a particular day or week or month, which continuously score high. And it was a a way for me to self reflect because I think one of the important things from your action point, and maybe this one is most of the time we're just floating through the days, weeks go by, months go by. We have no idea what we did last week. We have no idea what we did the week before. And it's often really difficult to think about what excited us. What was we doing at a certain point, which was really enjoyable. Would you would you say that's fair? Well, I I
0: think what you've described there is most people's lives outside of COVID on a day to day basis. For a lot of people, they're functioning, paying the bills, enjoying parts of their work, enjoying a great holiday, and, and they get to a certain point in their life. And we talked about this in the purpose uh, recording, and they go, well, hold on a minute, what is this all about? Uh, and I think what you're describing there is a great way to actually measure it in a logical left brain way, but also attach some emotional questions around it as well. So I think it's a cool tool. Love it. Go for mm. it. Yeah. Actually,
1: give that a go. Um, that's an additional action for me. So yeah. Well, I, we, I mean, just, just
0: to jump in and wrap on this. So, so I know it's a lot we've gone through uh, before I hand back over to Harms, but just to say that don't with all of these are important in the process. The purpose uh, is the last step because it gives you direction. people say to me, why do I need that? Because if you wake up in the morning and each month and each week and each year, each decade, and you've got a direction that you're taking in your life, it means that the choices around your environment, where you live, as you've heard from Harminda, who you hang out with, uh, all align with your beliefs and your values. But if you're not, if you don't have that Destination to go to. If you're driving from one part of a country to another part of the country, if you don't have that destination, you'll aimlessly just drive all over the place and it could take you so much longer and you get frustrated. So, the purpose is the pull. It's the thing that directs you, it's the thing that helps you set your compass. It keeps you on track, it keeps your beliefs confirmed, your values aligned, and your choice of environment. So, without it, this journey will be a lot tougher, which is why we have to work on it as well. It's equal as important as all the other steps.
1: Mm, that's a fantastic way of describing the importance behind it, because the reality is if if this is not addressed, one of the consequences of this is 10, 20, 30, 40 years, and we see people in their 50s, 60s come to Euro, and they're so far off course away from their purpose that it's, you know, you've got a smaller window now to get back to your purpose so if we're constantly realigning with this direction it becomes a lot easier so I think this is a powerful message for somebody of my age 20s 30s and then just as important for somebody in managing the time that they've got left in their 50s 60s 70s 80s 90s 100s because if we leave it too long to, to go through this six step process, we can be so far off course, which is sometimes when people come to you, Roe. And I guess the question is if you are that far off course, is it impossible to get back on course?
0: No, it's not. And you've witnessed that yourself. You've seen mm. this happen with people. It, no, don't get me wrong, it's not easy, uh, mm. but there has to be, it goes back to intent, doesn't it? There has to be, first of all, a pure Intention to do it. It can't be driven by trying to get back at somebody else. It can't be driven by a a sense of desperation, although that can be the trigger, if you like, the catalyst to make that step through. We've had people that were semi suicidal. I think at the event you were at, there was a young lad of 16, 17 that had gone through that process or attempting it or was considering it. So age, it doesn't matter. There has to be that initial intent. I want to make a change. I'm, I'm prepared to take it on. And I, I've, I'm going to have the courage to do it. And then the universe will start to open up and, and people will fall into your life who are just right for you. And if you listen to this, you've got somebody that you know that's going through a tough time at the moment or is going into a change. This These two parts, really, they need to listen to them because it is uh, this is stuff that you won't normally hear, not a process like this. You'll hear people talk about values or beliefs sometimes and a little bit of purpose, but it's the integration of all these together that's going to get mm. you to where you need to get to. That sequence of change.
1: And let me just do one final recap, bro. And then am am I okay to sign us off? Absolutely. Amazing. So thanks for joining us on the Growth Tribes podcast, part one and part two of this six step change process. And remember it's, yes, it's applicable to COVID and this high impact, high significance scenario, but we can apply this to everywhere. And we've tried to give you lots of different examples in each of the steps, and some action points in each of those steps as well. So, step one of the six step change process remember, it's about mastering your internal and external language. Step two is revaluing your life, you know, talking about v- the values that you live by, revaluing these values that you live by. Step three is changing your conditions and relaxing your rules. Don't be so hard on yourself. Step four, is beliefs we spent a long time talking about that today so that will be top of mind step five is create a supportive environment for change step six is wake up on purpose with vision and remember everything we spoke about will be on the podcast show notes at growthtribes.com forward slash podcast wow that's an (sighs) incredible journey we've taken them on remember each section has got a description it's got a few examples and some action points. If you want to dive deeper on any of this, the places I would probably point you to is, one is the show notes. It gives you a quick quick glance of yeah, everything we've already discussed. Number two is grab Rose book, The Turning Point. It's it's focused around this in depth, in high detail, and then you can read it, work through it, and that's one of the go-to places. Now, if you want to dive into a specific area with even more detail, then go to growthtribes.com, become a supporter, and then you will start to get access to different subject matters, i.e. purpose, vision, values, beliefs. Each of these have their own series, and that allows you to explore these and start working on that personal growth yourself, and a that's good, massively important. Alms, a
0: good one would be to consider where are you now? I think when anyone's starting up this journey, it's like, okay, let me just press reset. I'm 20, 30, 40, 50. where am I right now? Where am I now? And that's a good process that we take people through. Amazing. So
1: that's a a good starting point. So head over to growthtribes.com. If you become a supporter, one of those perks is you'll get access to a video series just like the one Ro described. Where are you now as a starting point? So that's it for myself and Ro. We shall see you on the next episode of the Growth Tribes podcast. That's myself and Ro signing out. Take care.
0: Hello, it's Dr. Rowe here. Harms and I would both like to personally thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of Growth Tribes. And if you've gained just one insight, something positive that you're able to use on a personal level, on a professional level, to help your life, maybe even other people's lives, then we'd love it if you could take action on one of the following things. You can either simply subscribe so you don't miss out on any other great insights coming up in the future, You can share this podcast with close friends so they can also get the benefits of the tips and tools that we're sharing. Or it would be amazing if you could give us a review and let others know just how great this episode was. And finally, if you do have a question, don't forget to submit it on growthtribes.com forward slash podcast. Thank you again for listening. This is Dr. Rowan Harm signing out and we'll see you again on the next podcast.